We are looking live at our living rooms in Anthony's closet. So um, yeah. it's going to be a weird week uh, for everybody. I went to dinner tonight and I was just so excited to be able to eat like real hot food because I hadn't had that in a few days. <laughs> so yeah. pretty excited about that. Went to Bonefish Girl. Delightful. It's nice. Tampa's back. Everything seems like pretty normal, which is fantastic. I was I had a flight booked. I was going to Hartford, and then that became my escape route. As I'm at the gate for JetBlue to go to Hartford, uh, I found a flight to Philadelphia the following morning, and I'm like, well, I'd rather go to Philly. So I canceled my JetBlue flight, and I go to I book my Philly flight, and then Philly, I was just going to open it to come back because I can stay in Philly for whenever, and then. Came home, talked to talked to the girl, talked to her family, did some stuff to help her family out. Programmed a cell phone for her ninety-some-year-old grandmother. It had DraftKings all over it. I'm like, Grandma, why are you out here playing DraftKings? You're ninety-two years old. You know, come on, crazy sauce. <laughs> and um, so I was doing all that kind of stuff. Decided to stay. Found a couple volunteer opportunities to help some other people out. Thank God we didn't really need to do any of that. She works for the county. We were all fired up for her to like go in and help. And then they're like, no, we really don't need you either. Tampa really dodged a bullet. And then I just got power back at like four o'clock today. I feel very lucky to have power at four o'clock today. In fact, I'm going to take a peek here and see how many people still don't have power in Tico land. Uh, while Nate, you tell us about your journey all throughout Southeast. All right. So, my girlfriend, understandably, was freaking out about a possible Category 4 hurricane hitting Tampa. And with a newborn, I guess she's not a newborn, she's four months now. Um, baby, we new have enough. to... Yeah, new, yeah, you can say have, a new car for four months, you can say a new baby for four months. Yeah. So we have to take her into consideration and what's best for her. So we decided to GTFO and... I came home uh, Thursday after work. I got I got home around 10, and she was at her parents' house because that's where we were going to stay during the hurricane. And she was like, all right, let's just go. I said, all right. So I pack up some stuff, and I head over there uh, to Newport Ritchie. And I get over there by, like, midnight or 1, and we just hit the road after that. We go to Tallahassee. I take the back roads, not too bad. Got to see the uh, Mayo Correctional Institute. Sure. I think that's where they uh, kill people in Florida. Big tourist the, attraction. Yeah, they finally uh, did. They hadn't done it in a while. They finally killed a guy a couple weeks ago. It's like the yeah. first one in two years. So I did that. Went to Tallahassee. Visited uh, my girlfriend's sister who goes to Florida State. Um, girlfriend's big Florida State fan. Had never been to Tallahassee, so I had to show her dope and... She was awestruck, and, you know, it's a it's a pretty neat college town. I spent some time up there. Campus is lovely. I got lost on campus, which was fun. And then when the hurricane started heading towards Tallahassee, we decided to leave again. 
So we went to Troy, Alabama. Drove through Bainbridge, uh, Georgia, home of Stephen Bench, on the way there. Um, and just hung out in the hotel room for a night before making our way back uh, last night. So how is the how is the city of the fight in Joey Nights? Like, what do you think? What you what you think? Honestly, kind of soft. I went to a, <laughs> I went to a Walgreens at like nine thirty, and they closed at ten. And the hurricane's not even near them yet, and they weren't even gonna get a hurricane. And I knock on the door of the Walgreens because they close at ten, and he the cashier's like, I can't let you in because of the hurricane unless you know exactly what you need. Like, come on, guy. The hurricane's not coming for, like, another 12 hours. I think you'll be all right. What a loser. Seriously. I was like, what? Clearly not a story. Then he sent me to the wrong aisle. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take my time now. Screw you. (laughs) Uh, Anthony, how was was your hurricane experience, buddy? Oh, it was very exciting. We thought we were going to hang out here at the good old apartment in North Tampa, and then looked like it was going to hit a four, so we said, well, we're going to be out of power, and me and the girlfriend decided to hold up at her parents' house in Brandon, which was an excellent idea because we did not lose power, and, well, I went there, and her father had said, hey, we have college football and NFL. We're going to be here for a while. I got 50 Bud Lights. Are going to help me with this? Left uh, yesterday, and there was only one 12-pack left. I don't know how that happened, but uh, lo and behold, um, we held out pretty well it was a little scary for a little bit there but um had power the house adjacent to us did not it was kind of nuts and crazy lucky but uh no damage back at the apartment pretty easy going a little scary there but good always good to be prepared over prepared is not a thing always good to be from tampa because clearly god loves us more than any other place in florida and just refuses to ever let us get hit by a hurricane that force is strong Dude, the the I'm telling you that the rain dance, that all of the things that people do to try and prevent weather throughout the world, and yet we found it in Gasparilla. Uh, Gasparilla <laughs> is just the thing that keeps all of the the bad juju away from everyone else. And uh, I think we need to continue to sacrifice to the gods every January. Um, yeah, fantastic. Like Tampa's so lucky. You know, our friends at uh, our friends down the street didn't get as lucky. Um, certainly what happened down in Fort Myers and Marco is, you know, a lot of it's just massive amounts of destruction. So mm-hmm. uh, we are hoping for those folks down there and uh, doing everything we can to help them. But yeah, you know, Tampa just dodges another bullet. It's amazing. So we went from not think, thinking we probably would not play football to thinking, well, we could play football. And now we are absolutely going to play football. Also, to before you go to that football game, if you get this podcast in a hurry and you want a cool T-shirt to wear to the game, Nate, tell them where to get a T-shirt. If you go to thedailystampede.com, we we have a a, a art up called you know get by this T-shirt. It's really cool, and there's a link inside the uh, where you can click on it and buy it, and you, you can get from size small to size three XL. Pretty awesome. Uh, Colin helped design the T-shirt. It says, "Let him cook with a football helmet, but like a chef's hat." So I think it's a very nice play on words by Colin. Thanks, buddy. Um, I did not design the shirt. I gave them ideas, and then they had a cool graphic designer do it for us. Um, last time we did shirts, we did them for the Florida State game. Uh, that 
got to be a little crazy making sure everybody got their shirts at the end. So this time, even though it does not help us as much financially to do it this way, it probably makes it a hell of a lot easier for everybody to get the shirt. You don't have to like show up at a, you know, at a coffee shop between X and Y hours. Although, you know, we're going to try, you know, if we can find a way to, to pull it together, we might do that as well. But for now, the only way to get a shirt is uh, online. Grab them, get a bunch, share them with your friends. When people ask you, what does that mean? Tell them, tell them what you think it means. Remember, this shirt does not reflect any one player. <laughs> this shirt, no. it's just a shirt. It is, it, it's just a shirt. And uh, yeah, so uh, we will go from there. Um, it is just a shirt. It is just a shirt. So yeah, grab a shirt as quickly as you can. And if you get it Wednesday morning, um, it might be in your mailbox tomorrow. So, what do you got on Illinois? Well, I will help you out there. They they don't do anything well. They're two and zero somehow. Uh, they beat Ball State week one on a walk off field goal block, and then they contained former USF quarterback Mike White, aka White Mike, in Western Kentucky. Uh, they had six yards of uh, they gained six yards rushing last week against Western Kentucky. What, what they do on offense is question mark. Uh, on, on the team sheet, it says that they they run a multiple offense. So, who knows? Doesn't every team run a multiple offense in some way? Like, I guess, like, I guess Navy and Georgia Tech, they're not really They're set in their ways, yeah. They're kind of triple um, option. But I think everyone else in college football qualifies as multiple on some level. Yeah. Um, their starting quarterback, Chase Crouch. Went 14 of 25 with a uh, through for 107 yards. So I it this doesn't make any sense. They averaged 3.2 yards of carry as a team through the first two games. Uh, their freshman running back, he's a true freshman, Mike Epstein, gained 111 yards on 21 carries. So that's good. You know, I'm looking at the stats now, and the game notes are just completely wrong. Oh, lovely. Um. Yeah. So the I've got it as they are getting uh, they're averaging 3.3 yards per carry, um, 80 attempts, 264 yards. Uh, they're conceding 2.6 yards per carry, which is a little bit better. But considering the opponents that they have, that kind of makes sense. Um, through the air, however, Chase Crouch, uh, 24-44 with two picks, one TD, 252 yards through two games. That's pretty trash. And opponents-wise, um, they're conceding 221 a game, a touchdown and two picks, but a better completion ratio. So with the opponents that they've had, Western Kentucky was pretty good last year. So the fact that they shut them down kind of you know, scared me. There's been a coaching change there and you know, Brahms at Purdue now, but so that kind of scares me a little bit. Uh, but you, you can't be letting Ball State hang around if you're a Big Ten team. Especially in Illinois. So, you know, I, I don't know a lot about them. I haven't had a chance to watch them play yet. I'm going to try and watch, you know, if I find a YouTube of a game this week and see if I can get a little idea of what they do. Some people online were saying that they are a little bit stronger in terms of defensive line play, that they get after the quarterback, that they can mm-hmm. control the line of scrimmage a little bit defensively. That could be an issue for USF. 
because certainly a line is one of USF's weaker units. So we shall see what happens here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they do get wide receiver Mike Dudek back. Um, he had a fantastic freshman year in 2014. And then 2015, tore up his knee, missed it. 2016, tore up his knee, missed it. So it's something like he hasn't played in like over 900 days. Um, Yikes. Not 981 days. Um, so she's shaking off the rust, but he does lead the team um, in receiving. So he had Chase Crouch has an option. He's pretty reliable. He, you know, dude, it crushed. Um, Aurelius Benz, another former Buck wide receiver, his freshman numbers with like 78 catches and over 1,000 yards his freshman year in 2014. If he can return to that form, then the defense has some matchup problems uh, on that side of the ball. But with how well Mazzy Wilkins has played, I don't think that will be much of an issue. It's just I, I don't have a feel of this team just because they don't do anything well. There's nothing really to go on. Yeah. Sounds like Lovey Smith football, though. Like, what does yeah. Lovey Smith generally do? You know, run it into the line, you know, play some de- somewhat decent defense and punt a lot. <laughs> so that doesn't really surprise me if you've watched Lovey in the NFL. At least that's for sure. Yeah. So we don't know a lot here. That, you know, that's not real helpful when you're trying to do a podcast or preview a game, but there's just not a lot to go on in USF having, you know, sat out now for what will be 13 days. Uh, short week this week, players got film on Illinois before they went away for the hurricane. So they had, you know, they've got iPads and computers and all sorts of ways to look at stuff, whether they did or not in the middle of like, you know, being with their families in the middle of a natural disaster possibility. Uh, I don't know. Got back. They practice tonight. They'll go tomorrow. They'll go Thursday afternoon. I guess Thursday afternoon is going to almost end up being like a walkthrough, isn't it? Like you're not going to hit you know, the day before a football game. You're not Chip Kelly. So <laughs> probably you know, tomorrow no. will be the last like real practice and the last chance to really kind of put something in. They'll walk through Thursday and they'll go Friday. A 7 p.m. kick Friday night after a hurricane. What kind of crowd do we think we get? Well, speaking of the crowd, Charlie Strong at his press conference today said, you know, he has invited every single high school coach and player in the area to the game for free. Hillsborough County's out of school until mon- next Monday, so they have no games to go to. So there could be an uptick. In attendance, he also invited all first responders uh, from Hurricane Irma and people who can and people who can make it out. They can come to the game for free. Um, if the first responder can't make it out, then the person that is going on that pass just has to show proof of being related to a first responder. Um, that gets the first responder and his family up to four tickets. So, you know, it's an artificial way to pump up the crowd members coming off a hurricane, but I think it's a good community outreach to bring in the high schools who have, who haven't played in, you know, two weeks to get some goodwill in the community for Charlie Strong and company. All right. Yeah, can't hurt. You know, I would like to see a lot of USF students there. I'm going to be interested to see if a lot of them just went home and said, screw it, I'm not going back this week because... You know, no classes or anything like that. So the student mm-hmm. section could be 
pretty interesting. And hopefully the high school slash first responders slash whomever else is around can start to make up for some of that in the crowd. I'm going to assume they put the first responders and the, um, and the high school kids in the opposite end zone of the students. So they'll probably be in the south end zone. Yeah. And so, yeah. See how it looks yeah. on TV. And, you know, the Bears are in town on Sunday, so you may get some crossover there. It could be maybe 50-50 um, Illini fans, for all we know, just because of it's basically a Chicago weekend in Tampa. Yeah, big Chicago. And uh, somebody said the Rays. Raised next Tuesday, Wednesday, play the Cubs as well. Is that right? Yeah, they could just make it a long, extra long weekend to catch everything. So, also, I heard a rumor that I cannot confirm that uh, USF actually reached out to uh, Justin Pulaski and his stick carriers group and gave them a group ticket deal for this game Oy. so that they can sit right behind the Illinois bench and say things to Lovey Smith. We'll see if that actually happens. <laughs> that'd, be, uh, that'd be interesting. I'm not a big fan of these stick carriers. I think um, kind of Neanderthals for the most part. Really? Yeah. Um, now, now I'm not a Bucks fan, so I can't really judge the the Bucks group on the whole. I mean, I've you know I like Pulaski, so and uh, I did I see like, those guys. Yeah, I like Justin too. Any interaction I've had with them, you know, last season, um, you know, waiting outside the gates to get into practice have always been nice. But I, I just can't get behind that movement as a Bucks fan. I, I just, I don't know, something, something about it rubs me the wrong way. Interesting, very interesting. They have a certainly they made an impact on a on Hard Knocks, that's for sure. Yep. Uh, they were quite loud during them. Hard Knocks. Good for them. Watching Hard Knocks, like I'm not a Bucks fan, but the team is quite likable. It's a very, very likable football team, and they have like four guys that. Like, you know, we all have those guys that you see in college and you're like, that guy's going to be a really good NFL player. Well, they have Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, OJ Howard, Sean Jackson. Like, those are all guys that if you watch college football, you're like, those guys are going to be really good NFL players. Oh, yeah. So I just, you know, I, Gerald McCoy and it was another one. Like, you, know, you just see guys like that. And then, so I'm, if I was in another NFC South team, I would be petrified of the Bucks over the next couple of years. Um, Absolutely. So, let's see. What else here? Uh, we can do some Twitter questions and then see where we go from there. Ha, let's do it. All right. Let's scroll down, pick up some Twitter questions. I know you answered some, but we'll uh, we'll do them here too. Okay. Uh, this is from Kieran. Um, I'm sure that person gets made fun of for their name because I get made fun of for my name. Uh, my middle name is also Kieran, um, but his at name is at Bolts Bucks Race. He's a big Tampa Bay fan. Uh, he said, "Excited to or he or she? It could be a she. Excited to be back to football. Do you think offensively we finally incorporate some screens to help the struggling O line? Yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe we hope so." <laughs> <laughs> you know, Lovey said, or excuse me, Charlie said something interesting today at the press conference. Uh, you know, he said, well, basically, since we didn't use our game plan for UConn, we can just use it for Illinois. You know, they haven't, cool. they don't, they haven't seen what we're going to do. So we may just incorporate some aspects of that game plan into this one. So I'm hoping 
there's some screens or something of that variety on Friday night. I'm not too optimistic. And, you know, selfishly for some <clears throat> shirt sales, buy them now at thedailystampede.com. It doesn't happen this week. So we can have those shirts for the Temple game and everybody can wear them at the game. And maybe we can get something changed. But so that's just selfishly, me. I don't care if I don't sell another shirt ever. Um, I would, uh, I just want to see some screens, some thrust of flat, some wheels, some forverts, some just, you know, some stuff to keep you and, and some Quentin, you know, even if it's design draw, just to get them out, just to get them out in space and do some things, moving the pocket, all the stuff that we've talked about before. You know, I don't care if I sell another shirt again. And thank you for those who have already bought them. We can actually watch as people come in and buy shirts, and they are blowing out faster than we thought they would actually. Um, so thanks to you guys for that. But yeah, I don't care if we sell shirts. I just want this offense to move the ball. So yeah, let's do that. Yeah, but uh, is, is it is it going to happen? I have no idea, and I don't think any of us really do until you know game day. Because you know, we'll see. Yeah. All right. Next question from LEJ at Bulls on Parade ninety six. Would USF be more inclined to make a push for the the Hoosiers due to Allen connection or play out the season with eleven games? Well, Indiana signed on with F, who they signed today. Uh, was Charleston it Southern, right? Okay, Charleston it was Southern. the Charleston Southern. So that was the 10-7 game, right? So that, yeah. that takes them out. Georgia Tech. It's Georgia Tech or, or forget it. And I don't know if, if it is in Georgia Tech's interest to play USF, um, yeah. especially since we're going to play next year anyway. And I don't really want to have to prepare for a triple option offense when we have to play Tulsa like four days later or something. Like either we – play Tulsa then get Georgia Tech on a short week or it's the other way around and I would hate to prepare for a triple option offense and then have to play Tulsa yeah the one year you get to avoid the triple option because you don't play Navy and then you just bring it on yourself anyway and the the old joke about how yeah I didn't even think about this when I was writing about it but the the old joke about you know Navy it's like you play two football games in one because they just beat up so much Mm -hmm. so that's what Georgia Tech does too might not be in either team's best interest especially on a short week and it is i believe the open date of october 7th and i think usf plays october 12th against it's it's the i think it's the 14th homecoming umass hold on i'm looking looking now well anyway so yeah but other than possibly playing georgia tech and which seems like a real long shot i think we're i think we're playing 11 here so unless the conference gets involved and really wants us to play that UConn game. Yeah. And then Jamie's rain manned schedule may come into play. Which good Lord willing would be nice, but doesn't look doesn't look likely, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Bulls on parade again asks, yeah, this was ten hours ago, so hopefully he got power back, but he's uh entering a full day in North Atlanta with no power. What should he snack on to make it to forty hours like you? Oh, I, I told him uh, jerky because what was killing me was just a lack of protein. Like I just didn't have any like all the protein was like in the freezer and going bad. So um, I didn't have any like just regular protein around. That was the worst part. I was just carbon carbo loading like crazy. 
So tonight, what did I get for dinner? Big old steak. <laughs> so, you went to yeah. Bonefish and got a steak. Absolutely. Okay. That's like me going to Vallarta's and getting a burger. Yeah, exactly. Exactly what I did. Good job, Nate. I love me some Vallarta's. But I see it. It's ECU the 30th, Open 7th, and then UMass on the 14th. Yeah, so, it, if, I mean, you're, you're, you're playing the two worst teams in the back half of your schedule if you play the 7th. I mean, if you could ever handle it, like, ECU is god-awful. ECU might be one of the worst three teams in Division One, And UMass is also trash. So Hawaii flew literally across an entire continent and beat them at home. So mm. you talk about body clocking. Yeah, I could USF do it? Sure. Do I think they do? Very slim chance, but possible. I agree. All right, this is from Kelly at Kilkra Kelly. And he asked, or she, I don't know which one. Does the rush to play this game help us in any way for prepping our next game on Thursday against Temple? Maybe. I mean, I guess having knowing feeling of having one less practice day. Charlie said it's like cramming for an exam when you have a Friday game. So I guess I, I guess it'd be like cramming for the bar when you have a Thursday game or something like that. I don't I don't know what the equivalent is to. I mean, you essentially lose two days of practice for a Thursday game. Good time to point out that Notre Dame, who lost last week at home. Georgia beat Temple 49-16 and that Temple then beat Villanova by a field goal. And if you're like, Villanova plays football? Yes, Villanova plays FCS football and squeaked out a win over, um, supposed to be a basketball game, not a football game. And uh, yeah, Temple or Villanova made a run at the end there and almost pulled it out. So what we're saying is Temple sucks and um USF can't win at home, even with, you know, and especially playing Friday night because, you know, Temple's got to play Friday night as well. They're going to play UMass, which actually is a team that they need to prepare for. Um, mm -hmm. Since both teams are going to go Friday night to Thursday, USF should be a huge favorite in that game. Speaking of gambling, USF is a 17.5 point favorite over Illinois. I would expect against, assuming, you know, the final score on, on Friday is a out in that range, I would expect USF to be a 20-plus point favorite over Temple, maybe even as high as like 27, 28. Temple stinks. Yeah, I'm still holding out hope that Temple turns it around. I think they just need a quarterback. I mean, they still have the running game. I'm, I don't think was it Jeff Collins is that bad of a head coach that the follow-up from Matt Rule to him is that great. I think the defense is probably still decent. Um, I think they just need to find someone to replace Phil Walker. And once they do that, I think they'll take off. So I still hold out hope that they're decent and it's not a walkover game and it kind of gives USF some credibility on, you know, a very weak slate. And we don't want our conference games to be also weak because then there's just nothing to show the playoff committee that we deserve to be in a New Year's Six Bowl. When Guess what, Nate? Conference Guess what, Nate? What? Nate, I hate to tell you, there's going to be nothing. On this. So I have my little spreadsheet, and I will pull it up right now. We have, as a conference, played five games against the Power Five so far. And 
uh, Notre Dame. I'm counting Notre Dame as Power 5. Here are the scores of those games. Temple lost to Notre Dame 49-16. Tulsa lost to Oklahoma State 59-24. Cincinnati lost to Michigan 36-14. It was not that close. West Virginia beat ECU 56-20. And Houston, who played well, actually, I watched the game, um, but Arizona needs a quarterback. Uh, Houston beat Arizona in 19-16. Arizona's quarterback is just horrible and is probably going to get Rich Rod fired. So... Uh, we are one and four against the Power Five. We have a three-point win and an average loss of 36, 22, 35, and 33 divided by four. So somewhere in the 30s. That ain't good. No. And then this week, week three, this is the big week for the conference against uh, Power Five opponents. ECU plays Virginia Tech. They're going to lose by a million. Memphis plays UCLA. That'll be interesting because UCLA seems to be clicking. Josh Rosen is, of course, a super stud, but that game is in Memphis. Uh, SMU plays TCU. That could be interesting. Tulane plays Oklahoma. That's going to be a bloodbath. Uh, UConn plays Virginia. Who knows? The Georgia Tech-UCF game is going to be canceled. I will delete that off my spreadsheet, and USF is going to beat Illinois most likely. So um, big week for the conference. If they could find a way to, to you know, from – from Memphis to beat UCLA, because UCLA could actually be competitive in the Pac-12 South this year, though I don't think they're going to beat USC and get to the championship game. And if somehow, you know, I have, like, not a lot of faith in UConn, maybe SMU can find a way against TCU. That would be really nice if they could find a way to squeak out those two wins this weekend, go three and three against against the Power Five. Yeah, and Memphis lost their star linebacker. I can't remember his name, but he's out for the year, so that – that's a big blow to them defensively. Yeah. So, man, oh, God, this conference is trash. So bad, dude. Like, it's really, really bad. Dude. It's so bad. You take away Quentin Flowers and Riley Ferguson. Oh, name man. One, name one quarterback. The kid from Navy, the, he's not bad. Um, I couldn't even tell you his name. I like I can see yeah. him, but I can't, it's not Will Worth. It's Will Worth. No. Um, yeah, AB, Zach AB. I think that's right. Zach Abe. He looks like he can play a little, but the rest of them just find a quarterback in this league that you trust. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Off the top of my head, I'm not, I can't, I can't think of anyone. Yeah. So it's a problem. Oh, okay. Next question. Hopefully this is less depressing. This is from Mr. Clut at Mr. Clut. Do you utilize tight? Yeah. Do you utilize Tice more than DJ based on the first two games? Love DJ, but Tice looks to be the better runner through the first two games. I think we answered this kind of last week, which was if you're going to run the offense that we're running right now, use Tice. If you're going to run the offense that we all want you to run, maybe give DJ more of a look because he's a little better out of the backfield as a pass catcher. And we've seen him do some things, you know, out in space and, and in routes that are, are pretty strong. So, But if you're going to keep trying to run the ball down their throat, yeah, probably Tice is your better decision. Yep, absolutely. I agree. It just it really depends on what they want to do. And so far, Tice is definitely the better fit. All right, next question. Do you have confidence that the Bulls can meet Vegas expectations and finally have a 2016-ish offensive performance? Mm, nope. Maybe? Possibly? Maybe the extra week off? They, you know, Although if Charlie said we're just going to plug and play last week's game plan, well, were we going to make enough changes last week to to the offense to, you know, get it going a little bit? 
this is what happens when you have 13 days off in a hurricane and miss practice time and all the stuff that comes with it. I, I don't think we've gone into a USF game with less knowledge of what's going to happen in a long, long time. Yeah. I got no, I got no clue what's going to happen this weekend. And if you bet on this game, you better know something. You better know something or somebody, <laughs> because there is just, I, I, I wouldn't touch this game with a ten foot pole. I have no idea what's going to happen. Like we knew more uh, about what USF would do game one of one in 1997 yes. than we do this week. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, because at least at that point, like we had a, they had a spring game that spring. They, they had, had a full year of practice, so there was something out. But it's a toss-up. Who knows? Maybe knows? during the impromptu bye week, Sterling Gilbert, you know, maybe like a little tree limb knocked him on his head, and he finally figured out. Oh wait, I have Quentin Flowers. Who knows? So here's the thing: we're supposed to be the people who know, and we don't know. No idea. No quote. I think if we polled the USF local media, they, I think they would have the same response. We have no idea what's going to happen, but based on the first two games, nothing's going to change. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Last question from Joe Brennan at Joe B. The Bull. Hi, Joe. Will the Bulls be able to run the ball versus a pretty good Illinois defense? Um... Probably not. With the, with, I, I am just so I, I am I feel like Carl right now because I, I I don't trust this offense one bit, and it it's really sad after I mean you pretty much have the same pieces there, you know outside of Marlon Mack shout out to him first NFL touchdown that counts and then it didn't count and then he got it anyway later on in the game, so. I, I'm just I'm so sad about this offense right now. This this hurricane <laughs> has really made me really depressed. Like I, you know, I was really snarky during uh, the Stony Brook game on Twitter, and I was like, relax, blah blah blah. But I, I just this hurricane has made me really depressed and just made me really sad about this offense. So thanks a lot, Irma. You've ruined my experience watching USF play football. How do you feel about yourself? I just, they got to find a way to get it going. They got to jumpstart this thing. I don't see a way. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. No. Great analysis from us. Oh, we are just on top of it. Um, I do know one thing about Illinois, and... It's through the first two years of Lovey Smith's tenure, he has recruited Florida real hard. 14 guys from Florida on the roster. 12 are either freshmen or sophomores. So he's he's getting into Tampa. Junior Trey, Trey Watson, he had a breakout year last year. and He had over 100 tackles. He's actually from Tampa and went to Tampa Catholic. So there's just a whole bunch of Tampa connections in this game between you know Lovey Smith being the head coach for two years, and then you know he was on the defensive staff with Tony Dungy and Hardy Nickerson, former Bucks linebackers there, and it it's Donnie Abraham, Donnie Abraham, Devin Abraham's dad is there. yes, he's there, he's with DB coach, DB's coach, yeah, DB's so, I mean, coach. man, good for them that they found jobs, um, sure, but 
It's Lovey Smith. Like, in a bad job. A a better coach, right? Yeah. Like, he's a, Charlie Strong is clearly a better coach than Lovey Smith. Am I missing something? He's clearly a better coach. Lovey Smith did coach in the Super Bowl. Um, But I would say that Charlie Strong is likely a college, um, better college coach for sure. Charlie's got, you know, I would assume USF has more talent. Um, You know, there's a reason they're 17 and a half point favorite because Illinois football is not good over a long sample. And so, you know, Lovey's going to, if he's going to build something there, it's likely he's not going to get it built quickly enough. And, you know, if they're pulling out wins, you know, 24 21 wins over Ball State and 20 to 7 wins over Western Kentucky. I'm not, I shouldn't be too worried if USF plays to their talent. Yeah. See if they do. Anthony, what, what, are you, uh, what are you thinking here? You, you've heard our negativity and our, our doubt creeping in. Say you. I actually have, if you want to take a couple more, a few um, buddies asked a couple questions. But going off of that, at least the optimism is in the defense playing a little bit better and the offense has scored 30 points has still that streak going on maybe we don't get that high-powered offense from last year and as we see what Oregon's been doing that Taggart might be a really good coach you guys but at least if the defense takes a step forward it might not be that bad I still haven't pulled the I'm very pessimistic generally but I feel like Maybe the defense being a step forward helps a bit in these games coming up. Especially if you're going against an Illinois offense, which is clearly trash. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so that's just matchup wise. That should be something that you know, the, the defense should. You know, I don't. I'm not worried about Illinois putting up 40 and watch them put put in a number on us. But um, if you look at just statistically, we shouldn't be worried about about Illinois and you know we, we don't want to use like um, season-long statistics at this point because the sample sizes are just too small maybe about like halfway through the season you can start to look at and get a pretty good idea but you know we, we we gave off their numbers their numbers aren't good they're not really moving the ball against anybody you know it should, should be the USF defense should be okay there so yeah the defense being better does you know help but man like these are games that USF should be winning just going away and i we haven't really seen them you know put together the type of game yet you know four quarters of good football they played one really good quarter at at san jose state and i think if you take that away hasn't been too impressive overall Mm, i agree Um, what what is your uh prediction for the game I, I have always been of the opinion that Leopards don't change their stripes. It's why I didn't think Willie Taggart was going to work here. By the you know After they lost the Memphis game in 2015, I was like, well, that's it. We're never going anywhere. Um, and then he did change his stripes, and he made the adjustments necessary. And since that point, USF is 20-4 and four as, a, as a football program. And uh, But I have always thought that Willie was – greatly the exception to the rule and that most coaches just sort of do what they do and stick to it and don't really make the changes necessary now it is still very early and sterling gilbert has plenty of time to prove wrong um the doubters the haters uh and those who say you know that this offense is 
the lack of offensive production stands at his feet. So I, I'm not 100% on that, but I, I am concerned. And I, if I had to lean one way or the other, I, I think USF, you know, finds a way to grind out like a, you know, 27-14 win at home, but doesn't look super impressive doing so. You know, not putting up big plays, not putting up big numbers, you know, going fast, you know, you know, hurry up a lot of hurry up and plow it into the line still. And just not enough to to really be impressive yet. Eight? Well, I think they will extend their nation leading streak of thirty plus points. So I think they'll win, you know, thirty to seventeen not look real good doing it offensively. Maybe even a defensive touchdown that makes the offense look even worse. Man, this defense is probably going to have a field day against the offense. Uh, they started two true freshmen last week. They did it was the first time ever they started true freshmen. Like, they switched up their entire offensive line between week one and week two. Um, they've, I think they've played, like, 16 true freshmen this season. Uh, it's a very young team. They have, I think, nearly half their roster either freshman or redshirt freshman. So it's a super young team. Um, if we can make them make mistakes because we're such a senior and junior laden roster, I think we'll have no problem. And even with the, I wouldn't say bad play calling, but questionable play calling, I think we'll be all right. And, you know, as I said, for the, the UConn game, if the offensive line is just 30% better, then the offense clicks. Right. So it just yeah. comes down to the offensive line play. I think that I think more so than the play calling, offensive line play, because there were holes to run through, but they closed up so quick because the offensive line was getting pushed back three yards. Well, you gotta put your offense. You gotta know that that's the, what you've got, the hand that you've been dealt. And so, what do you do if you have a skinny offensive line that can't really block? Well, but they're not. They're not skinny I'm, though. They're, I think this is the no, biggest. I mean, this yeah, is the but, biggest no, weight-wise. Weight-wise, yeah. I, but if if you've got a line that that can't really hold people, I guess I shouldn't really use weight as part of the problem because you're right. Like you know, Marcus Norman's a monster. Like you know, these guys are big. They're big um, boys. They are big boys. Uh, but it, if you got to put him in position to to win, so get the ball out faster, get the ball moving faster, get the ball where you want it to go quicker, so they don't have to block as long. Yeah. Will they do that? I don't know. Maybe this is the week they sort of like slowly start to implement some different things. Maybe they put in like, you know, one screen or two or like, you know, maybe just bring in some parts of some different ideas, you know, one or two, maybe, you know, just a little bit of, of passing game for the, for the running backs, whether it's, you know, over the middle or in the flat, just put, maybe just mix in a couple of different elements. If not the whole playbook, we'll see. Anthony? Weirdly enough, I just happened to look up the weather for Friday. Uh, Scattered thunderstorms during the day, but partly cloudy. 74 degrees at night. Too hot. That's too hot. (laughs) That's what the USF fans will... That would be the excuse or some sort. It was too wet out. We couldn't tailgate. It It was still muddy in the parking lot during the tailgate. Um... Anthony, you got an opinion on this game? Your friend's got any more questions, by the way? Uh, I'm kind of with Nate. I think they put up 40. I think we there's a little bit of su- 
surprise there. They don't give up a special teams touchdown because that's just not sustainable. I think you're right. It maybe isn't perfect or what we want to see, but should be a better crowd, should be a better day. Hopefully receivers aren't dropping passes. Maybe there's a defensive touchdown. But, yeah, like 40 to 21 or 40 to 17, something like that. Not a lot of faith in the Bulls out there in the business community. Seth Buck asks us, do we let him cook? I don't know. I guess we're all going to find out together because I just don't know. I agree. But I think there's really not much else we can do. I mean, thankfully everyone was okay from the hurricane. Um, but without that game, without that UConn game, we know nothing. We we're flying blind. So yeah. we'll learn and, together. And I, we'll learn together, and like we can't even go to practice the next two days to figure it out. So there you go. Go Bulls. Sorry we were so depressing and like not super energy. I think the hurricane just sort of drained some of it out of us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, driving back from Troy, Alabama with a baby in the car for seven hours is terrible. That oh, sounds pretty man. horrible. Shout out to my girlfriend for sitting in the backseat for like the last five hours, just entertaining Olivia because she was Olivia was about done when we got to the border. So. I- I don't know what's worse, making that drive or having to sit in the back and, like, mother a child. I don't know what's the worst job there. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it sucked, you know, making that drive. But, I I mean, at some point you can only do so much with a a four-month-old. Yeah. All right, kids. Um, Sorry for the depressing podcast. Uh, We will try and be a little have a little better energy and hopefully some good things to talk about next week if not like here's the thing if if it's bad next week we'll have we'll have some more stuff we'll have some ammo we'll have some ammo if it's bad and if it's good we'll be excited and that'll be good too so no matter what i think we're going to learn a lot this week about what usf football will be in 2017 so this is a big test just not necessarily for in terms of score or anything like that but just to see if this team is what we think they can be didn't want to let the podcast pass without saying, um, giving our condolences to Joel Miller uh, or the family of Joel Miller um, on the loss of uh, their son. Joel uh, was only 29, and uh, that is far too young to lose anyone. He, uh, you know, certainly a flashpoint in one of the most controversial events in USF football history, but also I think he played five years, if I want to say. Took a year off after the incident, you know, the that season off following year after the incident happened, but he mm-hmm. did come back to the team and he did contribute as well. Um, once he returned, he was a walk-on player and um, I believe earned a scholarship under Skip Holtz at the end there as well. So, you know, 29 is just far too young for, for anyone. And uh, so to the family of Joel Miller, um, we want to give our best and uh, hope, uh, hope through this difficult time that the university is able to be there for you as well. I hope so. I hope USF handles this in the correct and proper manner. We shall see. Nate, do you remember anything, um, you know, that Joel did? Um, yeah. Just the the Miami catch. What was that, in 2010? Uh, yeah, 2010. Yeah. The Adi game. 
Yep, and then yeah, Demetrius Murray scores on the next play. So I mean that's that's the extent of uh, my recollection of him. Um, yeah, so he earned a walk. He he earned a scholarship prior to the 2010 season. He had a degree in communications, career high, four catches against Miami, 60 yards. He did score a touchdown in 2010 against Stony Brook. But, I mean, he solid special teams contributor. He had 20 special teams tackles throughout his uh, career at USF. 2010 was his big year. He had 11 catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown with at least with one start. So I mean, it's tough to talk about this because, unfortunately, his off the off the field stuff kind of overshadowed everything. But I mean, 29 is way too young for anyone to die. Yeah, and as far as we know, we still don't know what happened. Um, if there was an accident or if you have a health problem or if, you know, something else happened. So we, we just don't have a lot of context. We just know what was written by uh, McMurphy and then by Knight. So, uh, yeah, just not having any context makes this even more difficult. But uh, when that does come out, we'll, we'll you know, possibly bring this up again. But um, just that our thoughts are with uh, the Miller family. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Stampede SBN, Colin at, at USF Colin, me at Bulls Nathan SBN. Anthony is at what A underscore Vito or A Vito underscore. Anthony Vito underscore. Anthony Vito underscore. I was so close. I'll get it. I promise. Make sure you, you know, download and subscribe to iTunes and leave us glowing comments. I know after this week, you probably don't want to give us glowing comments because we're so depressing. So, you know what? Just say them out loud. Don't put them on the interweb. And for the 34.5% of Pico customers that still do not have power, we're thinking about you. Hopefully, you'll be able to download this and take your mind off it a little bit, although you're probably depressed already and we might have made it worse. Sorry about that, kids. But we will uh, see you guys. We'll probably try and do a Facebook Live from the stadium or something along those lines next week. And uh, we'll get, we're going to try and start doing podcasts twice a week as well um, with the hurricane and crazy schedules and crossover. That wasn't really possible, but we're going to try and get these up twice a week too. So for Nate and for Anthony, it's Colin. Go Bulls. Open up this offense. Hashtag let him cook.